Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. As you think about the the book as a whole, Kelton, what what are some of your favorite chapters or stories in the book that you tell? Yeah, so uh, we already kind of touched on it. Uh, Chapter 7, Loving Through Compassion and Forgiveness. I mean... I, I took a kind of a bold step in saying the heart of Jesus is is not love necessarily. I, I know it's love, but I said compassion for that chapter, which I think is kind of a bold step because most people would say love. But I think, you know, as you look at the uh, passages where it says Jesus had compassion, and then you look at why he had compassion, it really speaks to, again, the idea that he's not just ministering to the spiritual person, but to the whole person, and that his love is an outflow of that in how he's loving and, and responding and interacting with people. And there's a whole lot for us to learn, especially I think in the American church about what that means in our neighborhoods um, and not just missions abroad. Um, chapter eight, the hope to come um, really kind of, again, drives into that about how to reach your neighbors and how to look at your neighborhood as um, really people who who should be your friends, people who you should be close to, so close to, in fact, that they see the love of Christ and that you know what affects them. You know what matters to them because you have a relationship with them. And through that relationship, you're able to share the gospel in many different ways. Um, and then chapter 10, Eternal Consequences, is really where you know I just bring it all home and I, I challenge the reader to say, listen, if, uh, if you don't think following the Lord is desirable, as uh, I'll, I'll find the passage, but if you don't think that following the Lord is desirable, then um, you need to make a choice. And so that's from Joshua uh, 24, 15. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yours, yourselves this day whom you will serve. And of course, there's a, there's a kind of an epic scene after that. Um, but uh, chapter 10 really brings it all home. And I have a, I have a story of Elijah. I won't give it all away, uh, but a, a powerful message, I think, there at the end of the book, really challenging the reader to put, put some stuff into action, to take the next step of obedience and following Christ and to get serious. I mean, I lived for roughly 18, 19 years of my life thinking that I was a believer and I was not. And so I'm really hoping that this book will impact people who are in the same situation uh, and help shake them and understand that they need Christ in a, in a fundamentally different way than a lot of people, you know, are thinking about the gospel today in America. Yeah, so let's talk about how can you help somebody discern whether they've just believed a clickbait gospel or not? What what would be some of the, yeah. the indicators you would, you would say, hey, you know, you might you might not know the gospel <laughs> if this is true of you. What are some of those? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some kind of soft approaches that you could use, I think. So if you notice a person doesn't have peace, joy, love, the fruit of the spirit, you could say, hey, I noticed that you're really struggling with this or this has been on your heart lately or that, you know, you seem to be kind of down and talk about that. That could be a kind of a soft approach. 
And then I think the real, you know, if you read the book and, and you think about it, the real obvious one is, um, are you living out of obedience, one, but then why are you living out of obedience? Do you have an outward sign of godliness and you deny its power, which is very dangerous? Or are you living um, a grace-filled, love-filled life of obedience to Christ because you love him and because you're just, you're just so grateful for what he's done for you? And, um, and so there are different approaches and there, I, I think it's hard because we've gotten so good in America. I'm going to make kind of a bold statement here. We've gotten really good in America at playing the part of religion in our churches. Okay. Like in revelation chapter three in Sardis, they have the appearance of godliness. Okay. They have, they have, um, the reputation and I, I I'd say the reputation among churches of being godly people. And yet they are dead. They are not spiritually alive. There's only a few left. Christ has very strong words for them. And um, I feel like a lot of times in American churches, we, we kind of fall into the same category. So it, it's, it's difficult. And I think you really have to have a relationship with people to know, you know, you have to, it has to be more than uh, a, just kind of a, a quick interaction with a person. You have to get to know them and uh, I, I will say, I think some people just have kind of a discerning spirit by the Holy Spirit to be able to kind of say, you know, this seems a little odd. You, you like, I, I just kind of feel like something strange here. Uh, but for most people, I think uh, it's going to take a real deep relationship um, and, and I'm not really deep necessarily, but a, a deep relationship to know whether or not this person is, um, is being honest with um, with themselves about the gospel and what the gospel requires and and about surrender like randy said um don't want to lose sight of that word that's a very powerful word yeah uh i think one of the things that in america uh there's almost like uh, there's churchianity you know yeah. there's christianity and then there's churchianity and if you fall into churchianity, you know, you fall into all these traps of like, well, I'm a Christian because I go to church or, um, you know, I'm a Christian because I, you know, do this. And you, you outwardly, you're doing all this like Christian behavior. But if there's no right, like right. inward change, then you're you have drifted off into uh, a dangerous place. So I love, you know, you're, you're very, um, the book is very challenging. You, you, you really, um, challenge people. Um, there's a part Thank where you, you talk about first John two, five, where it talks about perfect love. You want to, you want to yeah, go into that a little yeah. bit? Yeah. So perfect love, um, better. I think it's better translated completed love. And I'll, I'll thank John Piper for that insight. Um, so abiding in God abiding in his love. That's one aspect of it. But another aspect of it is living it out. And so if you really want to have um, a peace-filled, joy-filled life, um, the more the more and more I read the gospel and, and the Bible and, and think about this, um, living out the love of God towards others is so critical to experiencing the power of God in your life. And um, you are not going to find peace and satisfaction in Christ if you're not willing to love others 
and even more than just loving your friends, because even the unrepentant unbelievers love their friends, loving those who hate you. Like that is a radical level of love. And we've we so often miss sight of that in America. Um, and it's not just here in America, but we definitely have a hard time with it in the land of justice for all, right? Um, so, um, but yeah, that's First John, I just love that book. It's, it's such a great book. It really just lays out what is love? How can you know if you're living a godly love-centered life? Um, it's a really powerful book. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of churches don't dive into it as often as they should. That's right. Randy, as you read, uh, as you read through the book, were there, what, what stood out to you? Were there any particular stories or, or uh, themes? Well, um, I, I guess that what I mentioned earlier was the first thing that stuck out to me was just this idea that that um, oftentimes we think, well, people have misunderstood the gospel. But I think, I guess I started thinking about it from the angle of how are we presenting the gospel? Are we presenting the gospel in a way <laughs> that... Uh, says, hey, if you just agree to these four things, that's great. You're in, and that's it. And I think, so I do think there are times that we, as followers of Jesus, you know, we just want people to to say the right things. If you repeat this prayer after me, you're in. Yeah. And um, we're not really challenging them on what it means to know Jesus. So I, I think, to me, in a summary, that would probably be the, the first thing that really kind of caught my um caught yeah, my let attention me, let me kind of at least jump off think. that mm -hmm. let me add to that too so like if you look up like the romans road or the gospel according to romans and a lot of times you will just kind of end at salvation and there will be no mention of life after that and so in the end of my book where i have kind of the the outline of the gospel, I include Romans 2, 5 through 8 at the end of that. And it says, um, basically, you know, if you keep living in unrighteousness, you're storing up wrath against yourself. But if you seek to do good and, and love and, and follow Christ, then, um, you know, there will be rewards for that. And he will, and he will um, treat you uh, as such. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting, even, even from like, a very, you know, traditional sense, we've, we've isolated the gospel message down to simply salvation and then nothing after that. Um, and, and that's a, yeah. a great fault, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading in, uh, in my devotional, you know, James, where he says faith without works is, is dead. It's like yeah. a dead faith. You know, if you really have saving yeah. faith, you will produce good works. Those works aren't, they're not to get you to heaven. It's because it's because you, you have Christ because you've received yeah. Amen. the gift. Then, then you want to do good works. Um, right. Yeah. Not to, not, not to prove anything, but just out of gratitude mm -hmm. for what Christ has done. And I love that part of the, the whole idea of the gospel addict podcast is that the gospel is not just to bring you to Christ, but it's a gospel that helps us grow in Christ that we never move beyond it. We never move uh, beyond it. We spend our whole lives exploring the depths of it. And it's an amazing thing that the good news of Jesus is simple enough that a child can understand it. And yet we'll spend our whole lives 
exploring the depths of it. It's so it's so rich and deep. It's deeper than the oceans, and we'll we'll never you know explore the the depths of it because um, you know we talk a lot about it on our podcast that um, and and you mentioned this in the book too that one of the problems is people think people think they're pretty good. Um, we've yeah. lost, <laughs> we've lost sight of the depth of our own sinfulness. Uh, yes. we, we, we become blind to, um, how deep our sinfulness can go. It's easy to see sinfulness in other people, but when it comes to us, I'm a pretty good person. But, um, yeah. When you when you really understand the gospel, you understand that you have a, your awareness of your sinfulness continues to increase, and at the same yeah. time, your awareness of God's holiness increases mm-hmm. increases, and you realize that the only thing that can span those that gap is the cross of Christ, and uh, so the gospel not only brings us to Christ, it's what grows us in Christ, and you know um, I love and. Uh, Corinthians, Paul says, uh, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us believers who are being saved, it's the power of God. And he talks about the, the being Amen. saved, that Christ saved us. Yes, we're saved, eternally secure in that salvation, but he's continually saving us through the through the power of the gospel. It's changing us from the inside out and making us the kind of people you talked about, people that want to you know, move towards others in compassion and love. And, um, right. Yeah. That transformation there's, it's, there's so many people in the church today that just, there's no transformation. Yeah. Well, and it's dangerous because, you know, naturally, I think we all think of apostasy as a very bold move against Christ, but there are a lot of people who have essentially left the faith and still attend church. And, um, and they, they seem to want to believe the message that's preached to the whole church, which we assume is the true followers of Christ, that they're good, right? And so, but Christ is still trying to get at their hearts. He's still trying to find ways to, um, to make them understand that they are still broken people who need him, who need forgiveness. And in their selfishness, they've rejected him in so many ways. And so I think it's really, um, I think it's really um, concerning, you know, the, the idea of people do in fact leave the faith. And so we have to come to grips with this idea of how is it that I know that I'm a Christian, right? And one of the aspects of that, I'm convinced, is loving out um, other people and godly love and loving God. And that is, I think, one of the necessary requirements of being a Christian, if, if you have grace, if you have God's grace in your life, I think there are necessary requirements as a result of that. And one of them being repentance, which is like, you know, the cornerstone of it all. And then uh, loving as, as obedience. Mm, that's really good. Greg, er, Greg, earlier you had talked about um, what were some of the things that really stood out to me. One of the things in chapter eight is, uh, Kelton, you talk a lot about the incarnation and this idea of incarnational ministry. And I, I think I told you this, Kelton, but I think so often in ministry, we think of ministry as like a, a fortress. And we have our fortress and we lower the drawbridge and invite yeah. people to come. And we want people mm-hmm. to come. 
And when they do, we're, we're great with them. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus went, um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, you know, in Colossians 1, it just talks about how, uh, you know, the, the incarnation. Um, and so is the image of the invisible God. So I think for us, incarnational ministry is when we go intentionally into the lives of people who don't know Jesus to develop relationships with them for the sake of the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that idea of, of incarnation is really key. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like, I, I think I shared this with you, Randy. I think a lot of people even, they'll go even farther than just having the drawbridge down, they forget to invite the people in or even have the, the, the bridge down for people to come in, to stumble in. And so um, we just kind of want to keep it to ourselves, <laughs> um, which is really sad if you think about it. You have the greatest gift. Wouldn't you want to bless somebody else? Wouldn't you want to be receiving this gift? And yet so many of us are so selfish in that we don't take the steps towards showing this to other people like there is no greater cause to rally around in the world which i believe christians should be rallying around a lot of things but there's no greater cause to rally around than eternal um forgiveness and repentance and joy in christ and um and avoiding eternal damnation um in hell and so you know we should be the front runners of trying to improve our communities our neighborhoods and it should start with reconciliation to the father through jesus christ through faith and then it should be it should be lived out just like max Lucado was saying with um showing compassion it should be in acts of generosity and i think that's what the church um, in many ways is called to lead people into because i make the statement in chapter eight you know if you're waiting mm -hmm. for somebody to lead you into this you might be waiting a while but if you take the lead and you say, hey, I'm going to reach my neighborhood and I'm going to invite other believers along with me. Guess what? You might have a following before you know it of many people who were just waiting for somebody to lead. And so, you know, in many ways, America is under a leadership crisis in many different aspects. But one of them, I believe, is in ministry to our, our neighborhoods. Um, we're really good at farming out mission work to other countries. Um, and I, I think it's wrongly termed third world countries, by the way. Um, but we're very good at like supporting missionaries overseas. And I have many family members who are missionaries. So I, I value and I, I love missionaries, but I think we're really missing the greatest ministry and um, powerful aspect of the church when we don't minister to our neighborhoods, our local communities. And I do some really simple math in the book. I say, okay, there's 8, 8 billion people roughly in the world. Okay, and then supposedly 2 billion um, identify as Christian, which I, I think we can all agree is probably not true, right? But they identify as Christian. Well, if you take the number of evangelicals, people who claim to be evangelicals, and you kind of round it down to 600 billion, okay, spread out throughout the globe, if these 600 million evangelicals just reached 13 people, unique individuals, 13 unique individuals for Christ, the whole world would know about the gospel and so and about God's love. And so what we we kind of focus a lot on strategic um, like uh, exponential growth, I think, in the U.S., whereas really we just need to focus on loving our neighbors well. 
Like that's all it's going to take is if every single person in the church had a fundamentally different kind of love for Christ that, that caused us to love our neighbors as ourselves and to love our enemies as Christ would love his enemies. Um, our neighborhoods, our communities, our state, and, and then, you know, the whole nation really would be different. And so that, I think that's the power of this book that I, I hope that I get a lot of people to read it and that it kind of spreads out is kind of challenging the church to take this local perspective on mission work and just see, you know, if we got everyone together on the same page about this and we started loving like Christ, you would have tens of thousands of people in your state doing the work of Christ and not just a few missions people, but tens of thousands. And that should make a huge difference in your community, as you would expect. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.